0: what is up internets and welcome to another albeit delayed episode of the devil's advocate for self-defense podcast all right everybody we're back for episode 49 i just want to remind everybody we're still doing this show we're just not going to be doing this show publicly anymore and the only reason is and i said right before the show happened is i think you're all a little tired of discourse. So while this show was interesting and there's a lot of cool stuff that comes out of it, putting the show for free is kind of a waste of time for me, but it still will exist on Patreon on the same level that you get all of the Patreon extras. So the $5 level, US $7 level, canadian that's where we're doing devil's advocate episode 50 on we have this episode with a returning guest number one most downloaded guest on the show and uh and then we have one more episode coming up with a thai boxer friend of mine discussing the relative use of headbutts butts because leftways becomes a popular martial art right now so we're talking about headbutts butts in sport competition another really cool debate that'll be the free 50 and then everything else will go behind the paywall so if this is your first time joining me, maybe you have no idea who I am, you're a fan of Beverly, you're deciding to listen to the show because she's killing it right now. Uh, how the show works very simply is I become the devil's advocate for a topic that involves self-defense or martial arts. So this week, the topic we're going to be discussing is do statistics matter when teaching self-defense. So is there a purpose to add statistics to your curriculum? What is the point of that? Before we decide, we tell you who is uh, taking what side, I want my guest to give the listeners a little explanation of who she is. So Beverly, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah,
1: sure. Hi, world. My name is Beverly Baker, and I am the founder and instructor of Asphalt Anthropology. I've been involved in the self-defense industry for over 20 years, got into that by way of martial arts, um, started in high school doing that, just fell in love. Um, And then in the last, excuse me, several years, um, I developed something called Asphalt Anthropology because I really saw a disconnect between actual needs of people living in my community and what was being presented in physical self-defense classes. Um, And so we get into a lot of situational awareness, understanding your environment, how to read people. Um, I really focus it more for people living in dense Uh, public spaces, but they're principle based. So it can apply, apply anywhere. So I live in LA. I live in the heart of the tourist district of Hollywood. So this has been my petri dish, (laughs) literally (laughs) to kind of observe, kind of test some things that, that people I've always taken for granted in my 20 plus years um, of being true in the self-defense world. And I'm finding out not so much uh, on, on certain things. So that's my spiel. Awesome.
0: So don't forget at the end of the free episode, we'll give you all of the social connection points. If you want to follow Beverly, I highly recommend it. She puts up a lot of good stuff. She also quotes me sometimes. So I'm a little biased, but I I definitely recommend that you, you check out her social media. So. As I said, uh, we're gonna be doing a debate today on if statistics matter. Now there's a couple of rules the show if this is your first time joining us that we have to observe. So the debate is going to be 20 minutes. It will start with Beverly doing an opening statement. Then I get to come and encounter I am literally just taking the opposite side of the argument or the debate that my guest has taken. So remember, that's why I'm the devil's advocate. If you want to hear our actual thoughts and feelings on this, so don't at me if you're mad at me, this is me just being the devil's advocate. If you want to hear our real thoughts, jump on to final thoughts, which is an extra portion we put on Patreon at the $5 level. Every single episode has one of those. We talk about the takeaways, we talk about uh, what our actual views on the topic are, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, because we want to make the debate interesting. The second rule is, we want to keep this debate as constructive as possible and people if you've been on the internet for more than a minute, people tend to Fall into a lot of logic fallacy holes when they're making debates on the internet. We didn't want that to happen on the show. So there's 15 logic fallacies that I say we've sent ahead of time, but Bev's already seen them. Uh, so that we've already done. If one of us hits a logic fallacy, so for example, a straw man fallacy, a straw man fallacy being creating an argument that isn't what the debate is about. If one of us falls into prey to that, the other one gets to call that person out. So it'll be, excuse me, you just did a slippery slope fallacy that is actually accurate. If the other person can't debate why it's not that fallacy, hence it's a debate, they need to stop talking, take a deep breath, give a nice little apology, yep, sorry about that, and then secede their turn to the other person so the other person gets an advantage so we're trying to the make- early
1: days you made us do burpees didn't you i thought i remember something about burpees
0: <laughs> that's why it's burpees been a while <laughs> <laughs> last rule is we start as friends we leave as friends uh when i started this debate show 49 episodes in like two years ago uh everybody was like oh how are you going to maintain your friendships with people we're going to maintain them because having a slightly different opinion doesn't mean we shouldn't be friends anymore. That's so what we're trying to do here is show people you can have civil discourse and still leave being friends. So we're not gonna do any personal attacks, ad hominems, none of that kind of stuff, trying to keep as fun as possible. So as I said, the initial topic we're gonna be talking today is do stats matter when teaching self-defense? Beverly, what side of this debate are you taking?
1: That stats absolutely do matter in
0: Uh, self-defense. Right. And so I'm going to take the devil's advocate side one more time. I'm just taking the opposite. And I'm going to say that statistics don't actually matter for self-defense classes. So we're going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Beverly, you have up to uh, four minutes to get your point across and then, and set the stage for the debate. And we'll go from there. So are you ready, Beverly? I am ready. Go.
1: Okay, so stats definitely matter in uh, terms of self-defense. Um, I think that's something that is frequently overlooked. We think of self-defense and we immediately go to rock'em sock'em, let's hit things, let's punch things, let's, let's do all that, which is totally fun, by the way. I'm not dissing those, those very fun activities, um, but without thought behind what is happening for your particular student um, and, and, and not programming for them specifically, then you're gonna run into trouble at best. And at worst, you're actually setting themselves that you're setting your students up for violence that they may not be prepared for. Um, now, I'm speaking as if I'm speaking to other instructors, but you know I wanted to have this conversation because I think folks who are looking for self-defense, a question I get a lot is how do I get, pick a good self-defense instructor? And there's, there's a lot of ways that we can slice and dice this, but I really want folks who maybe are training or who are thinking about training can think about finding a really good match for themselves. So I, I have an agenda with this conversation just to really support folks, um, but kind of circling back then to why stats matter. So for example, I can think of at least half a dozen women I know who've trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu who have been told, well, 90% of attacks and and, and the, uh, uh, fights go to the ground. And then they show uh, when you think of jujitsu you think of someone in your guard right which is like the most probably horrifying position for a woman to be in in terms of a sexual attack but i can think of at least a half a dozen women who i know who have trained in in brazilian jujitsu who have been sexually assaulted while standing up who have been sexually assaulted under their clothes who've been sexually assaulted in like these sneaky creepy little ways. i say little um because it's just not the big attack that we're sold and so when we don't look at actually how things happen and what we are personally um susceptible to then we end up training so i can again the the women I've, i've talked to they leave feeling really terrible like they screwed up like oh i did my Brazilian jujitsu wrong, but they weren't training for that event. So I, I do have an agenda here of really supporting folks to pick the right thing for themselves. And it really starts with statistics and understanding what you're most vulnerable for. And if your instructor doesn't understand that, then they need to, or you need to talk to somebody else.
0: Awesome. So on the other side of this, so again, taking the devil's advocate side, this conversation started with something that I say all the time, which is stats don't matter. In an attack, they only matter when building a program. So I'm going to really focus on the attack. And so I think there's some inherent issues, inherent issues when using statistics. Number one, very few martial arts instructors are actually statisticians or people that know how stats work a lot of people tend to read the conclusions of papers without looking at the definition of terms. And that's where that 90% of fights go to ground BS started Was somebody read a conclusion of a paper, not realizing the definitions using the paper or something different. So right. that leads me to the second thing. Number one is because they're not, they're not people that create stats or often even understand stats. They could be misquoting stats. So now they're not I don't know if it's more of a sin to give no information or if it's more of a sin to give false information. Because for a very long time, people believed that 90% of fights went to the ground. The next thing it does, I think it builds uh, self-false confidence. And the reason why I say they don't matter in a fight is because if you train all of your knife defense, because statistically the most likely way you're going to get stabbed is underhand. The second an overhand attack comes, number one, it might freeze you or make you freak out because you are training against these statistics and i think the stats give people a false security blanket almost a little bit of talisman mentality like carrying a gun with no training does right so they have they have all this information and knowledge in their heads and they think that because they know the numbers those numbers will make them safe but if they get into a bad situation which is statistically rare talking about stats but they do get into a really bad situation and something happens outside of what they were taught, it could one, build, um, it would degrade trust in the system or degrade trust in the coach, Beverly.
1: You raise amazing points, right? You're not wrong at all. I, I'm not going to switch sides, but I, t- I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, point one, people don't know how to evaluate stats. Absolutely. I remember taking stats in college and it was so freaking hard yeah. and like I hated it and it hurt my brain and I had to like go and get tutoring and I did fine in the class, but I had to like work for it. Right. And the question is, you know, do, do, do are we going to have to work that hard? Should we work that hard? And I, I say, yes, we should if we are taking on the responsibility of talking about things that are people's worst nightmares, then we need to come into it with a very fully formed criti- uh, use, use of our faculties and critical thinking. I think that critical thinking is absolutely a skill that has fallen by the wayside. We see all kinds of crap out there on social media or wherever and oh, well, they look like an expert. They sound like an expert without using our own critical thinking. And so if, if you are a self-defense instructor and you are not looking at stats and, and, and I'm not saying it's not hard. It is hard to, to kind of break it down and to, and to critically think. And and I think the example we talked about of the, the 90%, um, where it used to be said that, you know, oh, 90% of fights go to the ground. And there's there, that was, glommed onto to promote a specific style of martial art. Um, But at the same time, it actually, the, the lack of critical thinking there, because my first thought is, well, that was an LAPD study. So what's the goals of the COP? Their goal is to arrest, detain these folks my goal is to not put handcuffs on someone. That is like, my goal is to get away. You have something, right? Nope,
0: no, I'm agreeing with you.
1: Okay, so, so I think it's a, it's a very, so for us to look at that particular study and I'm, we'll just pick on that one because we had already kind of talked about it. And if you're not applying critical thinking, well, you know, what is my, my goal? Is it to put handcuffs on someone or is it to escape? What is it for my students? Now, if, if handcuffs are the thing, then you know, that, that's, where, that's where you gotta go. Um, but my focus for a long time has been on women's self-defense. I'm expanding that to um, city dwellers and people most likely to be targeted. So that's not necessarily just women, that could be folks of color, that could be trans people, that kind of thing. Um, and that's frankly one thing that has inspired me to have this conversation is I feel like the self-defense industry is so focused on a very particular demographic, which generally tends to be a white female living in the suburbs and who has disposable income to pay for self-defense classes versus people who I would say looking at stats are most vulnerable, which would be people of color. Uh, there's a lot of hate crimes going on right now, but that's frankly not new. When we look at um, hate crimes against LGBTQIA friends, um, that that's through the roof. And so when we just kind of come at it from this rock'em sock'em and then we cherry pick statistics um, to fit our own narrative. We're not being honest with ourselves and we're not being honest with our clients. And that actually, uh, that can do harm. That can do harm.
0: I agree. And so like kind of getting a little bit more focused back on stats in the teaching area. I think that like one of the biggest issues is, and I'm going to keep using this 90% uh, thing that was from the LAPD study, because literally somebody quoted that to me three weeks ago. And this is the problem when you rely heavily on stats, especially in a self-defense class, is people with stats like to set it and forget it. So they learn the stat, okay, 90% of fights go to the ground, this is my truth, I'm going to leave, and now every other stat that comes out, they don't reassess, they don't relearn, they don't keep going. They learn it once, they think they got it, they check the box stats are so they're flimsy they're flimsy at best right because again there's definitions of stats there's also um you know the only way you could get a stat is by somebody being willing to do a survey right so like when you look at the numbers of violence you can say like yeah uh let's say 80 percent of violent crime is happening to women and 20 percent of the men this isn't a real stat i'm just making this up so but it could be that It's 50-50, but 30% of men refuse to take a survey saying they were victimized, right? So while we are getting glimpses of the truth from a stat, we're not actually getting the truth. And that's how the stats are being sold, is they're being sold as ultimate truth from this sample size. But we have to remember this is an opt-in sample size most often, not a actual sample size, which is why I think it gets slated as you were mentioning, right? Like, a lot of people are really experiencing domestic abuse, aren't filling out a survey about domestic abuse. They're just not right. doing that. So yeah. while the stats are good, I don't think they're necessary for this debate. I don't think they're necessary because they're flimsy. They're, they're, they're soft science at best.
1: Yeah, again, you, you raise really good points. And the, and the goal though, with with stats and, and, and where stats come from, right, is, is the idea of scientific inquiry. And scientific inquiry never ends. It's never, okay, we've discovered gravity and now it's over, right? Like there's 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 more to go with that. And there's definitely more to go with stats. Stats do change. Um, For example, looking at stats, and I'm I'm talking about reported crimes um, to the police, not self-reporting. So we're talking about, yeah, I loved what you said about adaptability, right? Because if we think that we take a survey or we read some research at a point in time that it's frozen like that forever, Um, you know, so this year we have seen you know, increases in gun violence uh, across multiple cities in the United States. I'm not sure about Canada. I'm, I'm just following the trends here in the U.S. And most of them. Are you guys seeing the same thing?
0: Uh, I, I actually haven't looked, so I don't.
1: Okay. Read. Okay, so it's def- it's definitely happening uh, here in Los Angeles and in other cities that that I've been kind of peeking at, and I mean that points to the how the, the the dynamics of all of this, right? It's it's it is fluid. So like we are coming out of a shutdown that was very traumatic. People lost money, they lost jobs, they lost lives, they lost loved ones. We are we are coming out of this period where there's a lot of trauma mm-hmm. that is unresolved, and so there is a lot of unresolved trauma flying around out there people trying to like you know put keep up that roof over their head kind of thing so yeah i mean this year does not look like the last year or the year before so if you're not staying current again that's on you that doesn't mean that stats are bad that's you're just using a bad scientific methodology of not refining 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 so if you're I mean, this is a challenge I have, right? And, and like uh, living where I live, a lot of my stuff is geared towards uh, urban explorers and people out, you know, traveling, things like that. Well, that had like, I had nothing to do last year. <laughs> Very little to talk about. So, you know, you kind of have to stay up to date. Like what is the next thing I can be learning? So if, if new types of things are coming out, if, if, the, if, if uh, crime stats are changing, it's really your responsibility if you're an instructor and as a student, Um, We've been talking a lot about instructors here, but let's kind of flip it to the students a little bit. I'm really passionate about undoing a lot of the fear that is put in people's heads um, by media, by self-defense instructors. themselves. And so I'd love for people to understand like, okay, what am I most vulnerable for? Do I walk around wearing $400,000 watches and, you know, and flashing that stuff? Well, then I know what I'm vulnerable for, right? Like we, we need to be, have more um, uh, granularity in understanding what, what our victim profile is. And so whether you're an instructor or whether you're a student, these are important for you to kind of keep up with.
0: Well, I think that's a great point, uh, but I'm going to flip it, literally my job. And the the point of it is, or the flip of this is going to be, this is kind of the problem when people throw stats around thinking that gives them authority because they read a book or a study, right? And here's the problem. I understand like, yeah, like in a perfect world, students would do their own research, but literally why a student is paying the instructors to outsource that research To the paid expert so they're most likely just going to listen to whatever stat the person gives and they're probably not even going to fact check it they're just going to assume it's correct so if they're using a bad sample size let's say an instructor in 20 years from now is quoting stats from 2020 2021 it's going to be a much different relevant world but again that said it forget it but also this is where the by using the statistics and using the things that are kind of soft and not as measurable. So again, for the devil's advocate, point, I'm against stats in the training, the physical stuff, you can see the physical stuff happen. You can see the success of it. The stats you have to take on faith and you really have to believe that your instructor is doing that now. Very easy because martial arts instructors, as you all know, require no actual certification. They can just go to a group, get certified. So they're not going to take the onus a regular, a scientist or somebody who has an actual accredited type of style would do. Unless, of course, they're in a group like Randy's nerd instructor group where I'm always updating the stats, right? But that's, as, as Beverly knows, that's few and far between. A lot of people learn the stat, move on, get to the cool, punching, kicking, choking stuff. And I think that's why I don't know if it matters in the class. Because one, just because something happens statistically doesn't mean it's going to happen to you in that manner. And two, who knows if these stats are even correct or even from the country or region I live in, right? Like, they just could be from anywhere. Like, when I put together the reality of violence class, I said in the class, these stats are from these countries, This is not a total thing of the planet. Everywhere is slightly different.
1: Right, 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 right. You make a great case and you know what? Sure, I will give you that, that the student is not gonna go out and do that research. So then that therefore puts the onus and the burden much more. If we're gonna take it off the student, then we're putting it on the instructor to be knowledgeable and to research and to frankly not resort to fear to attract and keep students, um, I, you know, I'll harp on that because that's that's a personal pet peeve um, and we kind of got into that in, in our earlier uh, debate when we talked about using CCTV yep. um, on, on social media and things like that. And so, okay, if 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 we're not gonna think the student's gonna do that, I can I can live with that. But then that means we're gonna shift the burden more to the instructor, and that's where the critical thinking comes in. Now we're all gonna come to this with biases, right? That I, I don't you, you keep saying the numbers are soft, I, I the the numbers aren't soft. I, I had a. a in undergrad i was a sociology major and and i this is why probably why i'm taking this class cuz i did a research methods class with this like monster guy yeah. <laughs> and like you know he kept saying you can never argue with the numbers of a of a um of a study but you can always argue with how it was designed and put together and the scope and, And the scope. And so I think those are the questions to be asking. Not like, is that 90% right? But it's more of the other like, okay, well, those were cops. What are their goals? When, what was the, you know, are those the same as mine? That kind of thing. So that's the critical thinking. And I don't think that that's soft at all. I think that that takes a lot of like brain power. I think that that takes a lot of courage because you're gonna find things that maybe contradict. I know I found things that have contradicted my long held beliefs. You corrected me recently on something (laughs) and totally called out my sexist bias (laughs) you and and i told you because you said something to me just a little backstory i was working on a graph sorry i know i'm digressing but a graph and it was talking about um dangerous places and i identified young men and you were like, maybe you should change that to young people. And my husband said the same thing. And as I dug into the research, Randy, as I dug into the statistics, as I dug into the, the reporting, you, it, it bore out what you were saying, right? It's, it's not young men, it's young people. Now there is a component to the male aspect that makes places dangerous, but I needed to do my job yeah. and get more, more fine-tuned on that. Otherwise I was being lazy, just repeating things I had said before. And it was you calling me out and then just going and like looking at that research that I hope will create a better product for the people that that I'm serving. Uh, but you were, you raised a really great point about, you know, how stats change. We've got to stay adaptable. And that could not be more true. If you're going to put yourself in a position to be an instructor, then you've got to stay up to date on
0: that. Yeah, and I will concede. I will concede the point. What I was saying was, and so is not quite exactly a correct uh, quote or a correct line of thinking. When I say the numbers are soft, I meant the numbers are soft because people extrapolate them into areas they don't belong outside the scope of the survey. Yeah, yes, yeah. I concede that point. That is not. You are right. The, yeah. the, the the numbers in the studies are solid. The way they're used are soft. They're putting in yes.
1: The <laughs> And that's the point, right? Like, you, you, if you go read a paper, if all you read is the abstract.
0: Yes, or the conclusion.
1: Or the conclusion, <laughs> because that's the point. You've got, like, that's where the critical thinking is. That's what, I mean, this is the hard part, but this is where the actual learning takes place, is how was that study designed? Right. Who was studied? Who, and who, who was studying? You know, I... You know, the the stuff that I work on in terms of, you know, being street smart and urban exploring, I'm a white female who's 50 years old. So the challenges I'm going to run into are different from a 20 year old uh, Hispanic trans person right so it's like I can't speak for everyone but we need to acknowledge those biases that we all have and and our bias isn't necessarily a cognitive one but it's how we experience the world I've never experienced the world as a gay person so I get to la-di-da and and pretend like it's okay until I learn otherwise
0: (laughs) right I think so this is bringing us to the end of the debate we only have a couple seconds left but this is going to lead us into the final thoughts topic so I I loved what you said. uh, We we agreed that, you know, the onus has to go on the instructor, not on the client, because I think the other problem is, is when people... You, you think the research is bad when an, a person who knows the field does it. When some layman does a Google search check, the facts are really, really bad, right? So, uh, and this is what's leading to what, what we're calling the death of expertise. That's kind of what I want to talk about final thoughts. So we'll yeah. leave that with all of you. It's five, seven bucks suckers. Get over there. Go get uh, on Patreon, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the end of the free podcast. Uh, Beverly, as always, thank you so much for being here. I love having conversations with you. Beverly, why don't you tell the people where they can get hold of you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am most active on Instagram at asphalt underscore anthropology. Um, from there, you can go to my website. I do a monthly newsletter with uh, a new blog article each month. That's the best way I think to stay in touch. Um, so we're not beholden to funky algorithms on the internet. Um, but I do enjoy Instagram um, and I love you know, hearing from people and, and my classes are always very much, here's the principle, now let's workshop what your challenges are. So if you have any questions, shoot them at me and um, let's hang out on the internet.
0: <laughs> awesome, and of course, as always, you can find me, Randy King, live if you're listening because of Beb and not me. I'm there. We're jumping over to Patreon. Final thoughts: Every episode has a final thoughts. I would argue, and I know it's a little, I know it's a little bit of bias because it's my Patreon, but sometimes the final thoughts are actually better than the episode. So I highly recommend even sign up one month, binge it, and then cancel. Also fine, do what you got to do. uh But there's a lot of cool information on there, and obviously, if you go on my Patreon, there's a bunch of ways you can train or learn there's different levels i do weekly presentations live presentations on the second level Um, i've done three presentations recently on a series i'm doing called where predators hide so we've done bdsm anime community sports coach to athlete and sports athlete to athlete so far. So four 45 minute presentations. Oh, we did one huge one on victim blaming and the three root causes. Anyways, there's a lot of cool stuff on my Patreon. Just go check it out, you know, or don't, whatever. We're doing one more of these for free new podcast, 80-20 gray areas coming out with myself and Ryan Rother, the old Talking to Savages crew. I'm sure Beverly will be back on. We're going to be talking conflict management and violent prevention Uh, And then we're doing something called a Ryan remix. You'll see what that is. But anyways, come join us on Patreon and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon. See you for the last episode within the next couple of weeks.